0: Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to Get Your Goat. Another great show, great lineup of topics to talk about today. NFL post draft, who are the top five teams now in the NFL? What has changed since the end of the season to free agency and now the draft? NBA news. Around a week away, week and a half away from that ending. But play-in games, ever more so meaningful. Same with the NHL. That is about wrapping up. The regular season was actually supposed to end this Sunday. But with the COVID situation uh, surrounding quite a few teams, that has been extended into next week. And I will give you my MLB, my top five, baseball teams right now with some exciting matchups to look forward to tonight and this weekend. So let's get right into it. Let's start with the NFL news. I just have to let you know, even though it did happen yesterday, it is something I have to touch on since I do have a Detroit Lions sweatshirt stored away deep in my, uh, closet because I probably won't be wearing it this coming year but what did they do the Detroit Lions made Frank Ragnow their starting center the highest paid center extending him to a four-year 54 million dollar deal highest paid center of all time good for him congratulations to Frank Ragnow he was their number one draft pick a couple seasons ago, and I thought he was great. It uh, was a great pick, great value, too, I believe. Uh, they drafted him at around you know 13-ish, maybe 13, but it was right around there. And I thought for a value of it, they got him and the player that he's become that was a home run pick, looked great rookie year, second year of his past year, uh, battled through some injuries with his neck so I was surprised to see him get this big of a deal for a center especially after the injury uh, concern but but good for Frank Ragnow making him the highest paid center as I've said on my previous podcast Detroit Lions have a good offensive line if he returns healthy good for him. They have Taylor Decker, Panay Suell, Jonah Jackson. Uh, this is a good offensive line, no doubt about it. Uh, but it's just going to be allocating those resources because you will is Taylor Decker going to be extended? You're going to have Panay Suel on a hefty rookie contract. So you're going to have a lot of resources, a lot of money tied into the offensive line. And you actually have a decent amount tied to your quarterback, Jared Goff. Uh, But for now, they just have to evaluate the offensive line. Because you're going to have a lot of this tied to the offensive line. You have your quarterback. You have no wide receivers. If you want to be a contender, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to evaluate DeAndre Swift. Is he the guy? There's been rumors that he could have a monster season uh, behind this great offensive line. I don't believe he's going to have a monster season because I don't think DeAndre Swift is that guy. I didn't like what I saw last year. Yes, the offensive line wasn't as good or doesn't look as stout as this offensive line. But to me, DeAndre Swift is not the guy. To me, he doesn't look like a Derrick Henry. I wasn't a fan of him at Georgia either. I was on the Chubb bandwagon if it was a Georgia running back. But to me, you draft... A Alabama running back or a Pac 12 uh, running back to me, not a Georgia running back. So I don't like, I didn't like the pickup last year, but we'll just see how it proves because they need a lot of defensive help. Uh, but that's enough on the Lions. Like, I don't like talking about them, doesn't put me in a good mood. And then what team do I think will make the next step now officially after the draft? Well, in the AFC, it's the Miami Dolphins had a great draft. I see them making the playoffs uh, firmly next year. The addition of Jalen Waddle will open up this offense so much more. Jalen Phillips on the defensive edge, pressuring the quarterback, will only help this team uh, when they play Josh Allen twice a year. Uh, Cam Newton or Mac Jones twice a year. Zach Wilson twice a year. Jalen Phillips is a guy that's going to get in your face. Drafted another offensive lineman to help protect Tua. They have a great making of a good team. Young team as well. I think they'll be able to fire on quite a few cylinders this coming season and get to the playoffs. And I do think the Dolphins can take that next step. Now the NFC is a little tougher to read. To me, it's much tougher uh, than the AFC. But I like what the Cowboys did. Spending on defense, getting Micah Parsons, getting some cornerbacks, some safeties. You know, defense help, help linebackers as well as, like I said, Micah Parsons. So they did a lot on that team. Dak Prescott is coming back from injury. So it's a young, inexperienced defense. But can Dan Quinn, the mastermind of the Legion of Boom, when they were so good in 2013-2014, around then, can he bring that same energy to this Cowboys team? I don't know. This Cowboys defense is terrible, terrible last year. I don't know if Dan Quinn can do it especially from what I've seen and what his defense has done. With the Falcons the past couple of years, uh, they were nothing special at all. You could scoff at that defense uh, as well and that team. But we'll see. They're in an easier division. Uh, Alex Smith is no longer there. The Washington football team, a team that needed a quarterback, Uh, Daniel Jones, will he make the next leap? Uh, we'll see. They didn't draft a wide receiver, uh, a high wide receiver like I thought they could have, a Jalen Model or Devontae Smith. The Eagles plucked him. But then also you have the Bears and the Vikings, I think, also vying for a playoff spot. You have a loaded NFC West with the Seahawks looking to return to the playoffs. Uh, same with the Rams. But then you got two teams that were injured riddled the 49ers can they make another step cardinals through their draft what do they think but I also think you have to keep on looking at the Bears and the Vikings Bears the team that made the playoffs last year and added Justin Fields in the draft to pair with David Montgomery and Allen Robinson how will he do will he be the day one starter will he beat out Nick Foles and Andy Dalton We'll see, but that's an interesting race in the NFC North along with the Vikings. Vikings with a you know good offense last year. Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook drafted a backup quarterback. Kellen Mine from Texas A&M, who I think is a great quarterback, was just a perfect fit in that Jimbo Fisher-style offense. Put in great numbers, as a great backup insurance plan for Kirk Cousins, and they drafted an offensive lineman too as he took a lot of hits. Will that help out Kirk Cousins more? We'll see, but if it doesn't help him out, because I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, I know for sure this will help out Dalvin Cook, open up a run game, create some bigger holes for him to run through and go through. So that's good for the Vikings. Tough on the NFC North. Don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers at this point. Uh, So it's all interesting developments to me in the NFC. So now, post-draft, who are my top five NFL teams? Well, I will tell you this. Numbers one through four were very easy. The fifth spot to me was the hardest one uh, to decide I basically had to flip a coin. I was going between the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers. I know the Rams draft didn't have much. or Yeah, the Rams draft didn't affect their uh, chances, their score, to me that much because they didn't have a first-round pick, which uh, they basically spent it on Jalen Ramsey when they made the trade a couple years ago. That was their current draft pick in this one and it was between the Green Bay Packers, and I had to choose the Green Bay Packers. Contingent on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is still on that roster, so to me, he elevates the Packers a little bit over the Los Angeles Rams. Surprised he took cornerback Eric Stokes uh, in the first round, drafted a Rodgers wide receiver in the third round, waited till the third round, which was very surprising uh, to me. So, through the draft, to me, they didn't add any huge playmakers, but if I have to look at this team compared to the other teams in the league with Aaron Rodgers, with how they looked last year, I don't see a major drop-off. Yes, they lost Jamal Williams in free agency, but you have DJ Dillon back there, who looked good, especially against the Titans, and then you lost Corey Linsley, starting center, who I think is a huge loss and one that's not talked about enough losing your starting center who's an all-pro but you've got Aaron Rodgers you got Aaron Jones you got Devonte Adams good left tackle right tackle uh, your guards are just fine your defense is around the top 10 top 15 mark uh, so really this team has nothing to fear if Aaron Rodgers is on that team if not that's a different story But I have to put Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers at number five. However, if Aaron Rodgers were to leave that team, depending on where he'd go, I might put that team there, or I'd slot the Rams there as well. What about number four? Well, number four is the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Why? Well... They were a really, really good team last year. Josh Allen took the next step with Stephon Diggs, uh, unlocked that offense. The duo that they had going on, the numbers Stephon Diggs put up, was amazing. Really good, really surprised that Josh Allen took that step. I don't know if he had it in him, if the Bills had it in him, but they looked really good. Uh, This offense clicked, to me, second to the Chiefs last year, especially the passing attack. Rushing attack does need some help, but they addressed defensive issues in the draft, especially getting after the quarterback. Their defensive uh, ends are aging. Uh, They couldn't generate a pass rush. At all uh, which is surprising, but the bill's addressed their defensive line in the first round, picked defensive end, Greg Rousseau, and then in the second round, picked another defensive end, uh boogie Basham, so there they go, addressed a huge need on this team, uh, which to me is the most important in the AFC. When you have to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, uh, that's how you win football games when you disrupt the quarterback's timing, their rhythm. You know, I've mentioned this so many times, especially post Super Bowl with what the Bucs did to the Chiefs. So, especially since the Bills need to beat the Chiefs to represent the AFC. In the most likely scenario, getting two defensive ends who can rush this pass, who can pass rush, especially if it is a four-man pass rush. That will only help, I believe, these two guys can do it. The second guy, uh, Boogie, does need a little uh, coaching up. He's not as raw talented as Rousseau is. But this defense got a major boost. By drafting both those guys, and to me, that's why I have them in number four, because they made moves needed for this team. Number three, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns to me are officially in the win now mode. Baker Mayfield, I believe, is entering the last year of his contract, the fifth year option picked up, so if I have to analyze him, as he the guy? But they got everything else around him. They have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line. Wide receivers, Odell, Beckham Jr., OBJ, coming back from injury. Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, tight end Austin Hooper. Running back duo, the best in the league, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And then on defense... You kind of just had Miles Garrett and you had Denzel Ward, who was a fringe cornerback number one, if healthy, but they needed defensive help. So they addressed that in free agency, got Zidane Clowney to pair with Miles Garrett to really get after the pass rusher. So, two elite pass rushers got a slot cornerback in Troy Hill, got the safety in John Johnson. What else did they need? Well, they wanted another cornerback opposite. Uh, uh, Denzel Ward especially if he's injured somebody who can maybe even be a number one have two number ones and they did that by getting Greg Newsome terrific cornerback out of Northwestern straight baller and then in the second round they got the anchor for this defense to me the Levante David the Bobby Wagner the Luke Keekley, they got Jeremiah Owosu Koromoa who's an excellent pick I uh, transformed his defense from just an all right defense to what could be potential at least to me top five defense through the draft through free agency. I like what this Cleveland Browns team has done a lot, and just like I said with the bills the mere two edge rushers, Browns have that same thing to me they have another element because they now have a better secondary. More complete secondary than the Bills. Have a true linebacker there. So the Browns made a lot of moves to compete with the top teams in the league. So we'll see if that pays off if Baker is the right man for the job. And then number two is the Kansas City Chiefs. Now the Chiefs' biggest need was offensive line after that Super Bowl. So they rehauled. The offensive line. Cut left tackle Eric Fisher, one of the greatest. Right tackle Mitchell Schwartz, another superstar. They signed uh, Joe Thune, guard from the Patriots. Kyle Long out of retirement. Traded their first round draft pick and many other draft picks for Orlando Brown from the Ravens to come play left tackle so we'll see how he adjusts but they've got a solid offensive line to me uh, better than the one that definitely definitely better than the one that came out of the super, super Bowl then they drafted offensive line pieces as well with the few draft picks that they had uh, which is needed because Orlando Brown's uh, left tackle right tackle so we can't play both he'll play the left tackle but to me Remmers is a great backup and swing tackle, but you need a true right tackle. So they drafted tackles in their draft class. And to me, that was the point of need. They drafted defensive ends as well to get after quarterback. Because you have Chris Jones, excellent nose tackle, who can uh, pass rush and as well as run stuff. To me, the D tackle in the game. But to me, you overpaid Frank Clark, who's shown spurts of greatness, especially with the Seahawks and with the Chiefs. But with the money they're tied to him, I think they might regret it. And to me, that's just something you can build through the draft, is getting young, cheaper, better, faster, edge rushers than the Frank Clarks of the world. But the Kansas City Chiefs are still number one in the AFC two years in a row until somebody in the AFC dethrones them. Then who's number one? Who's the best team in the league? That's none other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by the GOAT himself. What did they do? Well, they re-signed everybody post-Super Bowl. Everybody returned. Not only did everybody return, they added depth as well. Free agency, they added Giovanni Bernard, running back, who was a huge help as their running backs have a tough time catching the football out of the backfield. Both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette are a similar type of running back. And we could see Brady's frustration when he'd throw the ball out uh, to Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and they drop it uh, continuously. So adding uh, kind of a true pass-catching running back in Giovanni Bernard will only help this team flow uh, when those downs are needed. And then in the draft, drafted depth uh, with edge rusher slash outside linebacker. Yes, he had re signed Shaq Barrett, but Jason Pierre Paul's getting older. I believe he's around 33. Sue's getting older as well. So to just keep going with that theme of the uh, defensive edge, defensive front, outside linebacker, linebackers as well, I think is great. Uh, For the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, also add a little depth. At wide receiver as well as this wide receiver corpse is talented really good Mike Evans Chris Godwin Antonio Brown Scotty Miller but I think the thing I saw with the Bucks last year Mike Evans little injury concern same with Chris Godwin staying on the field Antonio problem Antonio Brown Antonio problem yeah is a Antonio Brown's a whole new problem uh as well so just drafting insurance plans as well smart draft by the bucks and then also the big shock was taking Kyle Trask will he be Tom Brady's successor in Tampa Bay what i do have to say is this whoever is the next quarterback of the bucks doesn't have as huge shoes to fill as did the quarterback of the Patriots, and now I know we are the same quarterback, Tom Brady, uh, in both places. But the legacy Tom Brady has uh, with the Patriots will always, uh, especially to the fans, be more special than his time spent with the Bucks. Spent twenty years with the Patriots, six Super Bowls, I believe, eight Super Bowl appearances. Broke all the records, became the goat to me in New England with that six one. Already was the goat in New England. He was the guy for twenty years. When you think of a Patriot, it's synonymous, you know, with Bill Belichick, with Robert Kraft, with Tom Brady. It's one of those three guys. But to me, it's really Tom Brady, because who was the quarterback before Tom Brady? Uh, I know it was Bledsoe, but he didn't win anything with the Patriots. Nobody won anything with the Patriots. They didn't have a true uh, quarterback. And when you have somebody like Tom Brady, that is the man. And it's been tough last year with Cam Newton. We'll see if Mac Jones is a successor or not, but they're still searching for one. Whereas with the Bucks. You just won a Super Bowl. Got a seventh. Cemented as a goat of goats, to me at least. Took the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just suck, terrible team, worst, you know, team in all of professional sports. Turns them into winners. Uh, So they've been starved for so long. So you know, just getting one championship is good for them, so even if he's only here one more year, two more years, if he's only there a total of three years in his career, uh, it'll be memorable, but not as memorable is his time uh, with the Patriots, but it will still be uh, quite a tall task, anybody coming in to replace Brady, especially if he leaves at such a high point, it's not like Michael Jordan in the Washington Wizards, uh, where it was a true uh, decline. In terms of especially of a winning percentage, where Tom Brady keeps on winning, so we'll see what happens there with Kyle Trask. But that'll be a few years down the road. Who knows? Bruce Arians might not even be the coach at that point. This whole team could totally change, and Kyle Trask might want to change as well. Now shifting to the NBA. The Mavericks have handed the Nets their fourth straight loss. To me, Kevin Durant is a little cold, midst of a little shooting slump, something I'm not used to hearing, not used to seeing, talking about Kevin Durant as a generational talent, second best player in the league. Some people think he's better than LeBron. All that talk is ludicrous to me, but the Nets are in fear of dropping the two seed, I believe, since they lost yesterday. They're off today. Milwaukee has a game in hand, so if Milwaukee wins tonight, beats the Rockets, which they should, because the Rockets are the worst team in the league, then I believe Milwaukee jumps Brooklyn, and Milwaukee will have the inside track for a two-seed, in which I've said they have an easier remaining schedule. Uh, the Nets still have to play the Nuggets in Denver. Well, Milwaukee has a very easy schedule. So they have the inside track for a two-seed if they win tonight. Uh, huge also because if you have a two-seed, you play a you uh, you play a winner of a play-in game. So if you're three right now, you know you're looking at a Boston, a Miami, a fixed series with one of them. And I don't know if you want that Milwaukee, especially Brooklyn, not so much. Whereas if you're a two seed, you have a winner of a play-in, you know, which could be end up being a Charlotte Hornets. Or a Hawks, or you know, it still could be the Celtics or the Heat, but one of those teams could get upset and lose, and you have a two-seed playing that. So yes, the seeding matters, but playing as a whole new level of dimension to this. But the Nets have to do some soul searching and some soul searching fast. Is losing four straight it has hurt them. If they lose a fifth straight, that could really hurt their chances and the perception of that team as a whole. And last night as well, the Clippers crushed the shorthanded Lakers. LeBron out, Dennis Schroeder out, AD back, but he was ruled out the second half. Uh, back spasms, he had an awkward fall, and he had an awkward trip earlier in the game. Before that, so all of that culminating, uh, he was out, but because of the Dallas win over the Brooklyn Nets, Los Angeles Lakers losing, Lakers are now the sixth spot, would play the Clippers. Not ideal at all. I want them to play uh, the Nuggets, so if the Nuggets beat the Nets, which I hope they do, then of course that changes in Denver as a tiebreaker over the Clippers, Lakers will play Denver, which I would like But the Lakers are in a very precarious situation right now because they play the Trailblazers tonight. And the Trailblazers and Lakers have the same exact record. Lakers have a tiebreaker, so they're at six. But Portland's at the seventh spot, which means they'd have to be in the play-in. So before I get any more on the play-in, which I will in like two seconds, I'm making some picks uh, for tonight. First, the Celtics and the Bulls. I'm going with the Boston Celtics over the Chicago Bulls. Chicago's not eliminated from the playoff race, but to me, they're too far back uh, from getting into the play-in. They're four and a half or three and a half games back. Boston is looking at that sixth spot, trying to move up to the fifth spot as well. They could even move as high as to the fourth. I bet they want that. They win games. Uh, To me, they put out the bulls, and to me, get them one step closer to elimination. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown uh, playing great. I believe they'll continue going into this game. Even if Zach Levine has played well and has played well against the Celtics uh, this year, I do think the Celtics will have the last laugh at least uh, this game. Then right after that on ESPN is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Portland Trail Blazers. As I said, essentially a playoff game. I have to roll with the Lakers. As much as I have lost confidence in them and their style of play, especially with injuries, uh, I have to pick them. And I have to root for them hard because it could get really ugly And if they lose the game tonight. they lose, they are Benham, a play-in seventh, and they would play Golden State in the play-in. And the Lakers have dominated Golden State Uh, since the LeBron 80 era has begun. But with just one game, one play in, who knows? Then, yes, you know you got to play another game for the 8 seed if you lose that game. So then you'd have to play Memphis. Uh, Most likely to me they would be in San Antonio. But that is not something the Lakers want any part of. They want to be one of the top six seeds. I'd rather play the Clippers in the first round with a healthy LeBron and AD, than have a healthy LeBron and AD uh, play in the play-in, where it's a one-game type format. Loser goes home. Where it's sort of like an NFL game or a baseball wild card game. Who knows what happens? But the Lakers cannot have that. They've been the worst out of the playoff teams, three and seven. In their last 10 games, not winning games at all. But a big win tonight, which I think they will do, will propel this team. Now moving on to some NHL talk. I was wrong on my prediction against the Rangers in one way. I thought the Rangers would win, would come out uh, of the gates and score some goals. That did not happen. Capital was 1-4-2. But I did say there would be a ton of fights in this game. Gloves would be off. And my gosh, that was the case as it opened up right away, right when the puck dropped. Three fights right away. All three forwards going at it. So you had three people in the box already right there. Uh, then Tom Wilson gets his first shift on the ice. Brendan Smith comes over to him. There's another fight. Ryan Strome, who wasn't happy about the game as well when it was his turn on the ice. He fought a man. And then there was another one as well. So you had six guys in the penalty box right away. Every face off. Seemed like they weren't even going to finish playing that game. It seemed like they just wanted to fight. But they got control, played the first period, score 0 0. Then in the second period, uh, Mantha and Buchnevich, uh, or John going at it, Mantha uh, instigating, triggering what Buchnevich did, which he then high stick Mantha across the face, uh, which did not look good, but was expected in this game. And because. The NHL could have prevented this, could have stopped this if they suspended Tom Wilson just one game. If Peter Laviolette, the head coach for Washington Capitals, would have said, Hey, you know, we're going to sit Tom Wilson now because we know what could happen. Tom Wilson had the balls to do that himself and say, Hey, I'm going to sit this out. But then that didn't happen. So Buchnevich was suspended the game for his high. Uh, cross check Rangers find $250,000 for what they said against George Peros the other day which I quoted in my previous podcast so you have all these people upset and then you had Tom Wilson apologize to Artemi Panarin Uh, he allegedly apologized to me it does seem half-hearted because he acted like he did nothing wrong it was just a hockey scrum Uh, He does that all the time, Uh, you know, the coach not really reprimanding him, just saying, hey, you know, you know, you might have a little target on your back, but either plays, you know, you're used to playing, keep on playing big and physical like that. Uh, To me, the Washington Capitals are just the biggest joke of a franchise ever. I wish they never won the Stanley Cup in 2018 uh, because that was not deserving at all. I don't care about Alex Ovechkin winning a cup. Yes, he's a tremendous goal scorer, but other than that, uh, he doesn't play a great 200-foot game. He doesn't battle, win face-offs, not on the penalty kill. He stays on the left side of the ice and shoots one-timers all night. So he's no special to me. Uh, This team isn't special to me. The Capitals are a dirty team, always been a dirty team. Uh, highlighted by Tom Wilson especially, they've always wanted to be you know a big bullies. Well, my team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, ones, have wanted to just be the faster, speedier team, just score goals, get business done, uh, whereas the capitals want to slow the game down and try to beat you up and punish you uh, physically uh that only worked because they dealt with a very inexperienced uh Golden Knights team in the 2018 uh finals but none of those guys deserved a cup tj yoshi uh tom wilson uh none of them they can all burn in hell uh for all i care i don't like the capitals one bit i will say that 10 times out of 10 times i don't care I don't like any of the players. Don't like the organization. Don't like how the NHL handled it as well. And then the recurring actions for the Rangers. uh, Terrible handling of this job to me. Enough on that. In a more positive light, Jeff Carter. Had an amazing game for my Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Four goals against the Buffalo Sabres. Yes, they're yes, playing with like their fifth uh, goalie. But Jeff Carter was tremendous yesterday. Sidney Crosby getting back on the score sheet is nice to see as well. Uh, led in four goals that could have been highlighted by a little Jerry injury. Because now Tristan Jari is confirmed to not be playing in the season finale tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes with Casey DeSmith out and Jari out as well. They're still fighting for that first spot in the East. They hold it right now. But Washington has two games in hand. So they need to lose one more. And Penguins need to win tomorrow. So tomorrow is still a huge game. For the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, you win it. You at least control and did what you needed to do. You're not relying on anybody else, especially with Boston. Uh, they're closing in as well. So that game tomorrow is huge for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Rangers, of course, look flat. Uh, all their star players are out. Islanders, a surprising loss against the Devils. Uh, to me, they are certainly have been tailing off, especially after the Anders Lee trade. Our vet Anders Lee injury, they've kept it bay since then, but now uh, it's really starting to show. So to me, that's why Pittsburgh really needs that first seed is to play a team like the Islanders. Don't really want to play the Bruins at all. Then I will be picking two games tonight. First. The St. Louis Blues going against the Vegas Golden Knights. This was a tough game for me to pick because does does the Blues win and just clinch a playoff spot, get it over with? Golden Knights, four points ahead in the first place race. Do they keep uh, pulling in steam? Do they kind of clinch it out right here? You know, what do they do? I think Vegas is going to win tonight. I'm a little nervous, a little intrepid about this one wanting to go with the blues wouldn't be surprised if the blues pulled one off and won uh, but i'm rolling uh, with the vegas golden knights if flurry is back in there coming off his 400th and 90th win congratulations the great mark andre flurry and then the arizona coyotes and the san jose sharks i am picking the san jose sharks because every time i pick the coyotes it seems like they lose. They've really tailed off when they could have made the playoffs and done better. Yes, San Jose's out, eliminated, but you know why not win for Heritage Month, Heritage Night, uh, whatever cool show that the Sharks were putting on tonight. Now, moving to the NLB. Great first baseman, up for debate if he is the greatest first baseman or not, Albert Pujols was designated for assignment yesterday, which means he was put on waivers, uh, which means he was cut uh, from the team. Who knows what will happen now with him? I think this helps the uh, Angels as his contract is officially over with him after this year. They will not owe him any more money. But it's good for Albert Pujols if he wants to try to get add one more ring to his resume or not. We'll see if it happens if a team is willing to sign a 41-year-old designated hitter. But just having a guy like him in the locker room and the dugout, I think, would be great for a young team. And yesterday, the New York Yankees lost their last game against the Astros in their season series. But the Yankees won two out of three. Highlighted by Stanton, Stanton with yet another hit, another home run yesterday. Looked great, has looked tremendous, has looked like the best offensive player in baseball. So that's great to see. Uh, I'm happy to see that. Glaber Torres with the hustle play of the year yesterday, scoring from first base on an infield single. Uh, beat the shift, out-hustled, outran the catcher uh, to get to home. So good for Gleyber Torres on a great, great play. But anyways, it's still a bummer when the Yankees lose to the Astros, uh, especially when Chad Green lets Altuve jack up a home run to take the lead. Uh, don't like that at all. Yankees fans sure didn't like that. I think they're happy to cheer against the Astros, hate on them until they meet again, which very well could be in the playoffs. But now I will give you my top five teams in the MLB. Number five is the Oakland Athletics. Yes, your long winning streak was snapped a while ago, but they have still been playing really good since then. Their bullpen, to me, has been amazing, little streaky, but nonetheless a great uh, bullpen, and they've been hitting well, too. Number four, hate to say this one, the Boston Red Sox and DJ Martinez is feeling it. Oh, that was hard to say. But yes, DJ Martinez has more home runs in the first month of this season than he did all last year. He's had 10 homers this year. Last year only had seven. He's hitting three fifty-eight. Uh, he has been amazing for the Boston Red Sox uh, so far this year, back to his MVP uh, calibers. Uh, season, great seasons. Uh, looks like DJ Martinez is back after an off year last year. Number three, the San Francisco Giants, highlighted by great pitching, Johnny Cueto, company, even Scalfini will be pitching tonight for the Giants. Uh, everybody's giving them really solid innings, and that's good for any baseball team especially the San Francisco Giants, who nobody thought would be as good as they are right now. Number two, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Why? Well, even amongst all their injuries that they've been dealing with, they are still, to me, the most balanced offensively and defensively, putting up a ton of runs, not allowing a ton of runs to me. That's just as important as a great starting pitcher or a great bullpen is if you're just that balanced of a team that will pay off dividends. Even if you haven't unloaded the bullpen yet or have gone through all these scenarios, they're showing that they can hit and they can defend. That's what makes the Dodgers so good. But number one is a team I enjoy watching, the San Diego Padres. Yes, they have heated up a little bit. Their offense remains a little stagnant. Could use some help. But to me, they have the best pitching in baseball. Hands down. Not allowing a lot of runs at all. Blake Snell. Hugh Darvish. The bullpen. It's all looked good. Everybody's looked really good on this Padres pitching team. Kudos To the pitching staff, because coming into the year, it's like, can the bullpen hold up? Can they get enough innings from other guys? How's Darvish going to look this year? How's Snell going to look in a new place? Their offense would be good, but the tables have turned. I think if the offense can match this pitching, uh, Padres have a shot in winning this division. So those are my top five teams in baseball. The Oakland A's, the Boston Red Sox, the San Francisco Giants, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Diego Padres. But tonight, there will be a great NLB matchup. The Padres and the Giants on ESPN+. Plus. Blake Snell versus De Or De Sclafini. This is going to be a great, great matchup. I'm teetering on the fence as uh, Anthony has been a little better than Blake. This year, my got to roll with the Padres at the Giants Park, Petco Park. This will be a great game battle for first place in the NL West. Great matchup. Then you also have the Yankees Nationals. No big headliner for that game today, but tomorrow... You've got former Cy Young winners, Max Scherzer and Corey Kluber going at it. Max Scherzer, to me, has been better this season, but Kluber's last two starts have been reminiscent of his Cy Young days with the changeup, with the curve, the fastball, all the tools in the box going out well. That's going to be a great game. Is Stanton going to keep this heading streak up? Is Judge's slouch going to keep going down as well? We'll see a lot of great Major League Baseball action this weekend, along with NBA, NHL, everything a sports fan needs is on tap. So everybody, hope you guys had a great week. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.